Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. We're going to be a, a tough football team to beat, you know, and uh, I'm excited about it. We can score a lot of points, and we got a lot of great players. And, um, you know, I think, Curtis, it starts with the offensive line. You know? uh, Russ had a terrific night again, um, and the pass protection was excellent for us all night long, handling all the stunts and the pressures and the different things that they do. You can just see that he's really in command of what we're doing. I don't recognize that, that game. We haven't seen us look like that, and uh, it's a game that I don't have any place in my brain for it. We just don't turn the ball over like that, but we did today, and they they capitalized on all of it and and just made us pay. So it was the kind of game that uh, we're just not used to seeing, and and we got to make sure and put that behind us and get rolling. I think our our tempo, our pace and stuff, and getting in and out and all that, we kind of lost that a little bit, I think, along the way, maybe a little bit. Um, And I think that's something that we do really, really well. Um, You know, and so to keep that that tempo and that pace, I think something that's, you know, I'm I'm gonna really try to study it a lot in this off season. Not the only thing Russell Wilson is studying this offseason. Quarterback chaos continues. Pro Football Talk live here for you for the next two hours to figure out what in the hell is going on in the National Football League. To join us in that journey, Peter King of NBC Sports. Peter, I, you know, I, I've made the observation several times this week. These quarterbacks, I think they got together and they came up with a schedule as to which day of the week they would take over the news cycle because every day it's another quarterback or two, and now front and center it's Russell Wilson again. Yeah. You know, Mike, um, if you look at the absolute end game of this, I'm probably a naive guy, but I still think there will be peace in our time, and Russell Wilson will start the season as the quarterback of the Seahawks. But as we continue to go down this road, you continue to pick at this scab. And I just continue to think back to the last time I saw video of Russell Wilson. He was in Roger Goodell's box at the Super Bowl looking absolutely miserable. Miserable. And (laughs) miserable. I'm not laughing at his misery. I'm laughing because, yeah, he was miserable. And, And, you know, I think part of that is I'm at the Super Bowl. I never play in it anymore. And here comes 43-year-old Tom Brady parachuting into a brand-new team. And I am watching Tom Brady. Are you kidding me? The man who torments my dreams. And look, I, I just think this is about Russell Wilson, obviously, is totally unhappy with the situation in Seattle. If you're the Seahawks, you can do one of two things right now. You can say, well, this is not how we do things here. We don't allow our players to tell us what to do. Or you could say, you know, if we trade Russell Wilson, yeah, it'll be a lot more peaceful around here, but it'll also be 6-10. and So in my opinion, I think the Seahawks are probably going to say, listen, let's let this thing settle down. Let's let it calm down. And then let's have all families come to the table, okay? All families come to the table and everybody just state what their issues are 
and let's get over them right now and let's fix them right now. Don't just say, hey, Russell, you go sit in the corner and play. It's obviously if that happens, this is just going to surface again. Well, and I think that we are back to Russell Wilson as the A topic in the NFL because of past instances where Russell Wilson has tried to exert some power and some control over the situation in Seattle, and they have told him, go sit in a corner. And yesterday's events happened not by accident. The story from The Athletic that, that represented to me the first time the Seahawks spoke their mind on this matter, even though it was all done through anonymous quotes given to the various writers who name, whose names appear on this story, we started to see pushback against Russell. We got the story of Russell Wilson after seven turnovers and back-to-back losses to the Bills and the Rams going in to meet with the coaches on a short week preparation session for a Thursday night game against the Cardinals with all sorts of ideas, Peter, for fixing the offense. And he was basically told, we, we've got this. And he stormed out of the room. I, Russell Wilson's storming out of the room. That doesn't mesh with the image that we've had of Russell Wilson for the last nine years. But that gets put out there. There are other things in that article that are unflattering about Wilson. And, and let's start with that, Peter, because my takeaway when I got to the end of that article, and it took some work. These long articles, I feel like you should get a T-shirt if you read all of them. But when I got to the end of it, I said, you know what? If the Seahawks don't view Russell Wilson the way that Russell Wilson views Russell Wilson, why in the hell don't they just throw the doors open and let some other team that would view him that way give more for Wilson than what the Seahawks apparently think he's worth? I think the answer to that is very, very simple. They know that when they go to training camp every year, they are going to be a playoff team with Russell Wilson. Facts, history, everything points to that. He's been on the team for nine years. He has started every game since he was the 75th overall pick in 2012. And he, you know, has led the team to the playoffs, what, seven of nine years. They've been to two Super Bowls. Without Russell Wilson, you head into this murky world of who knows. No one has any idea what happens if they let him go. And all you can say, no matter how unhappy you are with each other, the fact is this is an organization that held on to uh, Marshawn Lynch year after year for at least two years longer than I think people inside the organization really wanted to hold on to him because they knew that he was popular in the locker room. Fans absolutely loved him. And, you know, he was still producing some good things on the field. So they took all of his nonsense. If you hang on to Marshawn Lynch... For as miserable, speaking of miserable, as he made people like John Schneider and Pete Carroll, are you telling me you're not going to hold on to somebody who's three times as important to the bottom line of this organization? I don't think so. But if there's a team out there that would make Russell Wilson their Patrick Mahomes, setting aside for now the question of whether or not Wilson would thrive as the player through whom the offense runs, because he did thrive that way initially in 2020, but then defenses caught up and they didn't properly pivot to other things. And that's where I think it all kind of fell apart in that meeting leading up to the Cardinals game. But if you do have a team that says, this is Mahomes, this is the guy we build the offense around. It's not a defense with a running game and an explosive play action pass from time to time. This is the guy that we make the centerpiece of our entire franchise. Wouldn't that team view that player as being worth more in draft capital, players, etc., than the Seahawks would? I'm just talking about what does it take to tip the balance? And to me, if they don't if they view him as a guy that okay, he he thinks more of himself than we think of him, 
but he's good enough to get us to the playoffs every year, so we're not letting him go. I just think if there's another team out there that views him as another Mahomes, they'll offer enough to get the Seahawks to say, well, maybe we'll find another guy that'll get us to the playoffs every year with all these draft picks and all this other stuff we're getting for this guy that we don't regard as a Patrick Mahomes. Did you hear the word you just said in that sentence? It was maybe. And so the only way that if I'm the Seahawks, the only way that I would consider doing this is if it is one of the teams on his list that has a quarterback who would trade you that quarterback and that quarterback, you, in your opinion, is 85 to 90% of Russell Wilson. That's the only way I would consider doing it unless things get truly nuclear. Okay, who's on that list that you could see that? Derek Carr, maybe. Dak Prescott, maybe. And so those are the things, that's the only way I'd consider this, Mike. The absolutely only way. And again, I'm saying until I'm forced to standing on the edge of the cliff and I have to make a choice, until that point, I want to fix this. And I want everybody to get in a room and yell at each other for a day and a half. And then let's see if it can be fixed. Because, Mike, at the end of the day, I can tell you that if the Seahawks trade Russell Wilson and the next two years they go 7-9 and nine and 6-10, and ten, then they have failed mightily and they have failed this franchise as stewards of the franchise to keep things right. Well, I don't disagree with that because they do have a guy. And th this reminds me of the Texans situation in one very specific way. There are many, many differences between Deshaun Watson's discontent in Houston and Russell Wilson's discontent in Seattle. I think there are far more differences than there are similarities. But there's one very important similarity. How did you let it get to this point? How, when you have a franchise quarterback, how have you managed through this falling of the dominoes? For the Texans, it happened fairly quickly. For the Seahawks, it's something that's been simmering but it's still got to the same point where we have, Peter, something that I can't really recall, and I've been covering this sport carefully for 20 years now. This is a new phenomenon when you have a franchise quarterback, short-list franchise quarterback, who, number one, is unhappy with his team, and number two, even though they were doing it in different ways, is willing to make that displeasure known to the point where it's clear they want out. Now, it's more clear Deshaun Watson wants out, but I also think it's clear Russell Wilson wants out, and we'll talk about why I think that coming up. But it, that, that, isn't that odd that the Seahawks, for everything they've done right, the mere fact that this problem exists represents a failure? Obviously. You know, it just means that, uh, that they either overlook some signals or this became volcanic very late in this particular year. I have a much bigger problem, by the way, with the Deshaun Watson one, Mike, because, you know, four months before you start hearing he wants out, or four and a half months, you know, basically he makes, over that four-month period, $28.1 million. And he, and he has a very happy, tearful, emotional press conference and, you know, so I, I'm, I'm a little dubious about this, oh, he's been treated so poorly in Houston. I mean, you know, you seem pretty darn happy four months before that. We, we, and if we you had one instance of a guy lying on. to you. Yeah, okay. But, 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 you know, I'm dubious about Watson, let's just say. But yeah. when we talk I, about Russell Wilson, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. But when we talk about Russell Wilson... The one thing that, that sort of bothers me just about this is the long-term aspect of it. This didn't boil up in the span of four months. This has been growing. You can just tell. And right now, I think, that's why I think this has to be addressed. And this, do, this doesn't get addressed over Zoom. This, this gets addressed in a big room with four or five people in it, and that's it you know, socially distance and all that. But you have got to get together and try to solve this before the thing blows up in your face. And 
the Seahawks didn't come out of that article yesterday from The Athletic unscathed. One of the points that was made is a point that's been ricocheting around the NFL ever since Russell Wilson went on Dan Patrick's show right after the Super Bowl and said things that made us all say, holy crap, what's going on in Seattle? The idea that Pete Carroll doesn't have anyone there to tell him no, that Pete Carroll is in charge, that Pete Carroll runs the show. There's not even an owner there to tell him no. Jody Allen is not involved with that team. You know, Urban Meyer found out a couple of weeks ago in Jacksonville, it's not like Ohio State, it's not like Florida. There is someone there who is a multi-billionaire who can tell you no if things get off the rails. Pete Carroll doesn't even have that. And so this is going to be his call, I believe. Is he going to relent? Is he going to give in? Is he going to see the light? And if he doesn't, I don't see this happening. I agree with you. Now, now, I still think there's a shelf life. As I said yesterday, the shelf life for Russell Wilson and the Seahawks is closer to bread than bricks right now. This is something that is going to end, I think, three years absolute max. Two years is the more likely outer limit. Next year, unless they win a Super Bowl, is going to be the year when things happen and he moves on. And I think if the Seahawks get to the point where they realize it's inevitable, that, that's the other side of this coin, Peter. Once you know it's inevitable, if, if you come to that conclusion, because I think from Russell Wilson's perspective, it's inevitable. And he's not going to stop. And he's going to keep jostling. And he's going to say all the right things when it's time to show up and work. He's not going to hold out. He's not going to refuse to play for the Seahawks, but he's going to keep jostling, and he believes it's inevitable he'll be gone. He's under contract three more years. Once the Seahawks come to that conclusion, why not? Why not if there's a great offer sitting on the table? Why not? And they may think, you know what? Let's kick the can for a year because then somebody will spend a whole year plotting their best possible offer, and we'll get more next year. And we'll have more of a chance to plan well, for this. But I think once they know it's inevitable, that's when you have to start coming up with your exit strategy for Russell Wilson. Why are you positive it can't be fixed? I, I just think that any relationship between franchise quarterback and team that gets to this point is not going to have some sort of lightning bolt, five families meet. What? Because you've consistently resisted and refused to do whatever it is that he wants you to do, and he's gotten to the point where he's crossed the Rubicon. Football coaches aren't wired to admit that they were wrong. They're not wired to say, I'll give in and I'll do it the way you want it to be done. Sorry I've been resistant and reluctant for the past five years. Now, we have seen guys like Tom Coughlin undergo an organic personality change when his job was riding on it in 2007. But I don't see Pete Carroll as he's closing in on 70, rolling out of bed one day and saying, you know what? Russell's been right all along. The offense is going to run through him and we're going to throw the ball 45 times a game. And it's going to be the Russell Wilson show plus whatever we can get out of the other 21 guys around him. I just don't think Pete Carroll's going to wake up one day and come to that conclusion. And, and if, if it takes the proverbial gun to the head that Russell Wilson is holding the Seahawks at this point to get him to do it. That's not the ideal way to do it. Well, I agree with what you're saying, Mike. Uh, but I also would ask this question and, and I think we both know the answer. Okay. So Pete Carroll turns 70 years old this year. And I guess the, you know, if, if Russell Wilson is, dispatched somewhere, let's just say, then what the organization has done is they've chosen a 70-year-old coach with who knows how much shelf life he has left. They have chosen a 70-year-old coach over a 32-year-old quarterback who says that, like Brady, he wants to play into his 40s. The way that Russell Wilson takes care of himself and conditions himself and, and all that... I would guess that he has 10 years left of playing. But let's just say it's eight. Let's say it's eight. Let's say his career right now is at the halfway point. All right? So, and so, you know, he's played nine. Let's just say he's got eight left. All right? So, do you think it's smart to choose a 70-year-old coach over a 32-year-old quarterback who has led his team to the playoffs virtually every year since he's been in the NFL. I mean, 
That is the big question. And you know what? In Seattle, there's no one to make that decision except the 70-year-old coach. Right. So, you know, I, I mean, it's a real, it's, it's kind of a Rubik's Cube because the only person I think who can step in is Jody Allen. Jody Allen would barely know Russell Wilson if she met him on, on, a, on, a, on the sidewalk. You know, she's not, she doesn't have any relationship with Russell Wilson. So you can't envision Jody Wilson, who is as reclusive, I hear, as her late brother. You know, it's, this is, if you love the Seattle Seahawks, you've got to be worried about where this story is right now. Well, and there's a belief out there that that the Seahawks management right now is the closest thing other than in Green Bay to a corporate ownership situation where Vulcan, the group that Paul Allen put together, is really managing the team. And Jody Allen is just the name on paper, which puts even more power in the hands of Pete Carroll. I'll tell you a story about Pete Carroll. It's been three, four years ago at the league meetings. We had Robert Kraft on the show, and I asked him how long he would envision Bill Belichick staying with the team, how, how deep into his own life cycle Bill Belichick stays. And Robert Kraft talked about Warren Buffett and Rupert Murdoch and other titans of industry who work well into their 80s, and he would like to see Bill Belichick do that. That same day, I posed the question to Pete Carroll, and he said, why stop there? So Carroll doesn't seem like the kind of guy who's going to see his football or other mortality staring him in the face. And if he's the one making the call, yeah, you know what? He may be thinking, I'm going to be here 10, 15 years. I'm going to be here longer than Russell Wilson's career. At least whether or not that happens, he's thinking that. And that's going to be a factor in how he resolves this. Look, something's gone wrong, and it's gone wrong over an extended period of time. This is not a new sentiment. I've been talking about it for a while, and it always drove Seahawks fans crazy. Every time I'd hear something about Russell Wilson's discontent, one of the first teams I'd hear about is the Cowboys. People That, that drives people crazy, too. And here we are. And let's pivot to that point, Peter, because the Athletics article sparked a reaction. Mark Rogers, the Russell Wilson agent, went on the record with Adam Schefter and said, number one, Russell Wilson has not requested a trade. My understanding is he did that because he's irritated that people have presumed that Russell Wilson has asked for a trade. But number two, he does want to play for Seattle. But if for some reason, if for some reason there were to be a trade, Russell would waive his no trade clause for four teams. And he named them on the record. When has that ever happened? Well, not the, usually it's through a leak or something. On the record, the agent says he'll play for the Cowboys, the Bears, the Saints, or the Raiders. I fell out of my chair when I saw that yesterday. So that that is the most passive-aggressive, aggressive-aggressive, non-trade, trade demand I've ever seen. He, I look at it and I say, guy wants out, and they've sent an engraved invitation to four franchises to go ahead and put your best offers together and let's see what happens. And I think, you know, three teams, you know, are pretty easy to understand. You know, John Gruden has a love fest with Russell Wilson. Uh, you know, Dallas, uh, you know, obviously that's a franchise that that many players have that feeling about. Sean Payton, uh, you know, obviously also is, is in that, you know, if you're a, a quarterback, you want to play for Sean Payton. The Bears took me by surprise a little bit, Mike, and that's, that's because, you know, they seem to be on a precipice right now. You know, they, they you know, you, you might say, well, they got a good defense, which they do. You know, it's not the best defense in the league, but they, they have a good defense. My question is, you know, what kind of offense do they have? And would Russell Wilson be actually going to an offense that, that you know, he wouldn't be running for his life Again, just like he is doing right now. I might even say that the Bears offensive line, you know, has has less upside than Seattle's does. But whatever, whatever that is, you know, that was when I read that yesterday, I just said to myself, that's a wow. When you not only say he we would waive the no trade clause for certain teams, but you actually name them, I, I that is basically saying we'd like you to go and talk to those teams, basically. 
Well, and it's not even that. It is, hey, teams, start calling the Seahawks because we'd been hearing teams had been calling and we hadn't been hearing that John Schneider is hanging up the phone. And, and, and it was also a message to the other teams out there that may be calling. Don't waste your time. Unless you're on this list, don't waste your time. Russell's not taking a trade to any other teams. Now, it could be that Mark Rogers held a team or two in his pocket because maybe the Seahawks come out of this feeling like a win for them if they can direct Russell Wilson to one of the teams not on the list. But maybe it's a team that Mark Rogers and Russell Wilson will go to anyway. I don't want to go too deep into the weeds with that possibility of, of, a, of a psychological battle between the two sides. But I won't rule out the possibility there's another team or two on that list. But the four that came out yesterday, Peter, it really was stunning. And the Bears, I agree with you, the most surprising. We, we talk all the time about the Bears haven't had a great quarterback, a truly great quarterback since Sid Luckman. You could argue for the storied franchise history of the Chicago Bears, Russell Wilson walks through the door as the best quarterback in team history. Yeah, he wouldn't walk in the door as a better quarterback. Well, certainly – if, if, if you really appreciate football history, Russell Wilson is not better than Sid Luckman right now. But he might become better than Sid Luckman. Um, th the issue, I think, is that one did stick out. But the one other thing, Mike, when you start naming teams, I think then you start looking at each one of those teams and looking at their quarterback situations and basically saying that what really does make the most sense and, you know, look, I have no idea how the, how the New Orleans Saints would figure this out. All I know is that Mickey Loomis would figure it out. Uh, it, it would be ugly. There would be some respected players, valued players, uh, that would have to be let go and or traded, however it works out. But if... They could have Russell Wilson on their team. There's no question in my mind that they would do whatever it would take to be able to get him. Well, what we're going to do, we're going to focus on each of the four teams. And let's make sure there's no further business to be done with the Bears before we focus on the Saints. I think you and I both agree that the Bears should be, as of this moment, as of yesterday when that tweet landed, figuring out what they could put together to get Russell Wilson, whether that means throw Khalil Mack onto the pile. I mean, whatever it's going to take, what is the offer that we could put together to get a solution for the next 10 years or so to our quarterback issues that have been unsolvable at least since the days of Sid Luckman? So uh, the problem is they, they, well, they haven't been using first-round picks anyway because of the Khalil Mack trade. But, you know, it's not like they're one of these teams that's sitting on multiple first-round picks this year and next year like the Jets. They'd have to get very creative. They'd have to tie up draft picks multiple years into the future. But I think you and I both agree that regardless of whether or not the Seahawks trade Russell Wilson or the Bears or anyone else, the Bears' top priority right now, given the fact that there's no other clear option out there to upgrade the quarterback position over Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles, the Bears should be in the lab coming up with some kind of an offer for Russell Wilson. And as much as everybody's going to say, no, 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 you can't do this, I think a reasonable offer would be Mac, this year's one, and two future ones. And everybody would say, oh, way too much, way too much. Well, wait a second. The one this year is 20th overall, and one in the next two years would be probably, you know, at, at best in the teens. So it's not like they're going to be trading uh, you, you know, the, in, in future years, uh, the, the sixth pick in the draft. When Russell Wilson's your quarterback, you are going to be a competitive team. You're not going to be below 500. That's all there is to it. But having said that, Mike, I think that the only way that the Bears could make it worth it because they really don't have the offensive pieces to make it worth it. Okay, the only way that, in my opinion, they make it worth it is to chisel away a little bit at that defense. And and they, they gave up multiple first-round picks to get Cleo Mack several years ago, but that was several years ago, and this is Russell Wilson. This is the position they have been failing to properly address for decades. They thought it was going to be Jay Cutler. He racked up a lot of stats, but not a whole lot of success for the Chicago Bears. All right, the Saints. Now, I've been, I've been percolating on that one, too, because I agree with you that, look, 
Drew Brees, and we talked earlier in the week, until Drew Brees retires, who the hell knows what he's going to do? Maybe seeing Tom Brady win a Super Bowl at 43 is convincing Drew Brees to give it one more run, even though all signs point to him retiring. But if he's out of the picture, you got Taysom Hill under contract, you've got Jameis Winston that they're thinking about finding a way to bring back. If I'm Sean Payton, I say, my God, what I could do with Russell Wilson in this offense because he's basically Drew Brees with a liver arm who can get the ball down the field, who can make things happen in the passing game where I don't need to put Taysom Hill out there. And, you know, Peter, I think the package starts with Taysom Hill plus draft picks. Taysom Hill plus draft picks for Russell Wilson. And Michael Thomas would sign on for it right now. He posted a picture of himself with Russell Wilson yesterday once that word came out. You, know, you, don't need Tays- you don't need the Taysom Hill change of pace if you got a quarterback who can fire the ball all the way down the field and force the defense to cover all of the green real estate. And uh, I-, I agree with you. Between Mickey Loomis and Sean Payton, even if you don't do it, you have to take 24 to 48 hours and fully explore what you could get away with by way of giving up guys you currently have, making it work under the salary cap, and getting Russell Wilson, and it would be $19 million they'd have to find to pay him this year. It's worth every second that they would invest to see if they could solve that puzzle. You know, I think one of the interesting parts of the Saints, if the Saints did get involved, Mike, is that they don't have to go to their incumbent quarterback and have the awkward conversation. You know, if Sean Payton called Jameis Winston, and even though he's not the incumbent quarterback, uh, if, if he calls Taysom Hill and, 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 and Jameis Winston, he basically just has to say to him, hey, guys, Russell Wilson, you know, <laughs> it's, it's pretty understandable. Um, and, 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 and I think that because the Saints have drafted so well in the last two or three years, You know, Mickey Loomis, Jeff Ireland, their personnel staff has been absolutely terrific. Because they've drafted so well, Mike, they have have a lot of pieces in place. What would happen if the main uh, focus of the Seahawks, for instance, was Ryan Ramchick? And they could say, hey, look, you get a top 10 offensive tackle in the NFL, maybe top five, okay? And you don't try to make this a volume thing. You just try to say, we're going to get a piece to the offensive line puzzle that we've never been able to get. If if it's Ramchick, let's say, and Taysom Hill and draft choices, to me, that is a, that's a bit of a fascinating offer to at least get the ball rolling, uh, uh, with the Saints and the Seahawks. And, you know, with with the, the Saints particularly, the approach other than coming up with a great offer and putting it on the table, maybe the Saints are the ones who are best suited by calling the Seahawks and saying, just tell us what you want. Just tell us what you want, and we'll see if we can work it out. You tell us what you'd love to get. You tell us which players you want, and we'll see if we can work it out. Because the Saints are already standing on the brink of a major upheaval in their rot. There's 70 million over the cap. Now, th- those numbers can add up quickly with, you know, just this guy here goes, oh, there's 10 million that we found. And that, you know, you can you can make it happen quickly and get under the cap if you want to. But I, I think with so many veteran players that they may be thinking about cutting, but they've kept their their cards close to the vest. Find out who the Seahawks want because you may get lucky. The Seahawks may want a guy that you're thinking about moving on from anyway. That's why I'm saying it's valuable for the Saints to call the Seahawks and say, tell us what you want, because they may want somebody that the Saints no longer need. And Mike, just remember, you know, the Saints and the Seahawks have a little bit of a history because of the Jimmy Graham-Max Unger trade a few years ago. And I'll say this, Mickey Loomis, Sean Payton, John Schneider, they all have something in common. They went to the Jimmy Johnson School of Personnel. You're never married to any player. You know, you, you, you'll listen. And, and that, to me, is why th- this, this is an intriguing thing. They, they, ha- they have a history. They've done business. And they are not afraid. 
As to the Raiders, I suspect John Gruden, who's got that that well-known history of getting up at 345 in the morning, I, I suspect he hasn't even gone home after getting the news yesterday that his team is one of the four finalists for a potential Russell Wilson trade. And, you know, he's scowling with the eyebrow and him and Mayock are in a room and they're drinking coffee and, they, you know, they're they're taking no-dos or whatever the kids take nowadays to stay awake, although I'm sure there's probably some illegal things the kids take nowadays to stay awake. But nevertheless, I digress. The, 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 John Gruden has to be completely and totally smitten with the idea of getting Russell Wilson. And not just because, as I said yesterday on PFTPM, he doesn't need to get on a step stool to see eye-to-eye with his quarterback for a change. This is the guy that he's been pining for and just has never had the opportunity to get. Mike, I've said this on many occasions, and it bears repeating today. John Gruden's favorite quarterback is always the one he doesn't have. And <laughs> in my opinion, that is the Russell Wilson. That if, if you know, you just said, you put it exactly the right way. John Gruden would be so highly excited by something like this and and look I don't care what anybody says you just get the feeling looking at the Raiders listening to uh you know Gruden and all that that they are treading water you know they have drafted I think pretty well in the Mayock area it hasn't shown up entirely yet okay but I think they have drafted pretty well And I think in general, when I look at the Raiders, I look at a team that just is underachieving. It just is. They're not as good as they should be. And that has to drive John Gruden and Mike Mayock absolutely crazy. And so what is the way to fix that? You know, blow something up on the team. You know, tell everybody that this is not business as usual. We are not in this business to go nine and seven. We're in this business to win a Super Bowl. And you get a guy to come in who is in in this, in the last decade of football, who's really the ultimate overachiever. And he's going to come to Vegas and you can tell everybody on your team, you know, he he's going to walk in his first press conference, really, wherever he is, I will not rest until we win a Super Bowl in this city. God, it's going to be weird to hear him say anything other than go Hawks at the end of interviews and press conferences, but uh, uh, I still feel like it's inevitable. One of these days before he ends his career, that's going to happen. What do you do if you're the Raiders beyond Derek Carr? Obviously, multiple draft picks. Are there other players that jump out to you that they could they could part ways with? You know, Defensively, they got a lot of guys who who haven't been as good as they need to be. Those may not be guys the Seahawks want. Offensively, you know, they don't they don't really need a Henry Ruggs. They've got DK Metcalf. Would they want Josh Jacobs? Would that make it a sweeter package for the Seahawks? I mean, Jacobs has shown he can get it done, and I'm not so sure Gruden would want to part ways with him. You know, two guys come to mind right away. One is Jonathan Abram, the safety, who even though he has an injury history, uh, pairing him with George, uh, George Adams. <laughs> <laughs> pair him, uh, you know, with Jamal Adams in the secondary, to me, would be would create an absolutely fearsome secondary. And the other guy who really occurs to me when I just start thinking about it is a second receiving weapon like Hunter Renfro. And, you know, to me, when I think of young players who could make us better right away, those are the two guys I think of that I would want included in the trade other than Derek Carr. Last but definitely not least, how about them Cowboys? Now, look, a Dak Prescott trade would not be practical because first they'd have to get him to sign the franchise tender at $37.68 million, carry around that cap space, trade that cap space to the Seahawks, hope the Seahawks can then take that and turn it into a long-term deal. Seahawks, meanwhile, have no way of knowing whether and to what extent Dak Prescott's recovering from that badly broken ankle. So th- this would be for the Cowboys come up with a huge trade package not involving your current quarterback, letting your current quarterback walk away as a free agent, getting a compensatory draft pick for him next year and otherwise putting together whatever it would take to get 
the Seahawks to give you Russell Wilson. I feel like of the four teams on the list, even though the Cowboys are the name that I've been hearing consistently for more than a year as a Russell Wilson destination, I feel like it's too much work for the Cowboys and it breaks too much from what they're trying to do. They're still tied to Dak Prescott. And even though Russell Wilson's better, I'll do respect to everyone involved, I don't see the Cowboys making the same kind of urgent effort that these other teams would. Do you agree? I disagree. And the reason I disagree I like is that. I think I think if there's a will, there's a way. And in my opinion, Stephen Jones and Jerry Jones have to be thinking for two years we've tried to get a deal done with a quarterback who we love. And time and time and time again, it looks like he wants to go the Kirk Cousins route. And if this guy doesn't want to sign with us and is more interested in testing the market, well, why can't we take an incredible amount of bad medicine in one year? And it could mean that you lose three or four players that you really don't want to lose. And, you know, but to me... This has to be about the end game. And Russell Wilson in 21, 22, 23, 24, he's your guy long term. And when the cap goes up, we're going to be able to fix things. We are going to put three or four contracts way out into the future now. We're going to redo Amari Cooper. We're going to redo all of these guys. And, you know, to me, that's what I'd be thinking if I were the Dallas Cowboys. It's the same thing, Mike, I would be thinking in a different way if I were the Saints. Yeah, it's impossible, but figure it out. Yeah, I, I uh, two last points and then we got to go to break. I think we've broken the record for the longest first segment of the show ever. One, whoever inherits Russell Wilson is inheriting the problems the Seahawks currently have. Number one, you want a guy who wants to be involved, so you better be ready to make him involved if you're going to get Russell Wilson. And also, I got three quick points to make. Two, he loves to come back to the trough and get market value contracts. You got to be ready for that. Mark Rogers is going to want to try to break the bank sooner rather than later if he has a new team. And three, this is the one thing we haven't mentioned, and it's a real factor. Mrs. Russell Wilson. You know, a couple of years ago when this bubbled up, Peter, there was talk about the New York Giants. There was talk about Ciara wanting to be in a market where it's more conducive to her career. We don't know how much she has been and continues to be poking Russell. Let's get this done. Let's get this done. Let's get this done. That's a very real factor in in this specific situation that, that has yet to really be focused upon. But this, if this is Russell Wilson's life every day, that would explain why there seems to be an accelerated effort for him to make this happen sooner rather than later. Yeah, but I think, and I do not deny that that could well be a part of it, Mike, but she's not the one who has to go to that facility every day and apparently be very frustrated by the work conditions. That's why I think this is far more Russell Wilson related than wife related. Right. I agree, but it's a factor. It's a factor. And uh, I think it's a factor that we need to pay attention to as we wonder when and if this is going to happen. In my mind, it's no longer if. It's just a question of when. Whether it's this year, next year, the year after, the year after that. It's, it, I feel like we're eventually going to see Russell Wilson in a new uniform, and it won't be nearly as jarring as seeing Tom Brady in a Tampa Bay Buccaneers uniform. And Brady is the one to blame for all this stuff that's gone on with quarterbacks, with the exception of Deshaun Watson. Because Watson's problems existed before Tom Brady was tossing a Super Bowl trophy from one boat to another. We're going to turn the page to Watson when this Friday edition of PFT Live continues. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. 
Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The legends are true. We're overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. The first quarterback to be disgruntled this year was uh, Deshaun Watson. Tariq Cohen, when not trying to get Russell Wilson to come to Chicago, is also trying to get Deshaun Watson to come to Chicago. Tariq Cohen would take either of them. Sorry, Mitch Trubisky, but he knows. Mitch Mitch knows. He's sufficiently self-aware to know he's not Deshaun Watson. He's not Russell Wilson. Cohen would take either. Plenty of players recruiting either Watson or Russell Wilson. Let's focus on Deshaun Watson couple of news items that came up yesterday I, I guess that you know the Deshaun Watson story felt neglected by the Russell Wilson story's attention so uh, two or three big items first reportedly the Texans will not even talk to teams who call so offers are being left on voicemail for the Houston Texans for Deshaun Watson Peter I mean it sounds like the Texans are like plugging their fingers in their ears and saying la 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 not listening in order to adhere to this predetermined position that we're not trading him no matter what, and no one can make us an offer we can't refuse if we never actually hear what the offer is. I have a, I don't know about leaving offers on voicemail. I, you know, <laughs> look, I wrote the other day in my column that basically uh you know the the general manager of the texans uh, you know i almost said the general manager of the texans jack easterby uh, the general manager yeah, of the texans nick casario wrong. i i i almost <laughs> said the other day or i said the other day that that nick casario is not entertaining offers period he'll talk about any of any other player on his team anyone but he's not talking about deshaun watson okay so that's that is the way it is okay now as far as whether that is smart or whether that's dumb well the reason that if if i were fully intending to not trade him and and i would love to get into a very long theoretical discussion about you know whether a player who's gotten paid 28.1 million dollars in in four months and it has one thing, apparently one thing, even though the franchise is collapsing, but as one thing go wrong, a very serious thing, but one thing go wrong, all of a sudden says, I'm never playing for the franchise again. What's I guess the one my thing question that you would think be, went wrong. What, what's the one thing that you think went wrong? Because I feel like Cal McNair, Cal McNair, Cal McNair misled him on whether he was going to have some true input on who the uh, you know who the who the new coach and or GM would be, okay. It seems like a pretty but big Mike, thing. It is a big thing, but let me ask you this question. Let me ask you this question: that if 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 that one thing goes wrong, if that one thing goes wrong, does that mean that you absolutely categorically said they have crossed the Rubicon? I will never play for this franchise again. I mean. Think about that. Think about that. Why would any team, any team, sign a player to a long-term contract after this, knowing that after he got a huge amount of guaranteed money in year one, after four or five months, he could get so angry that he would say, I'm not playing here again. Well, I think any team that would do that, Peter, any... Any team that would do it, as long as they are committed to being honest and truthful and forthright with their players, they can rest assured that those issues won't happen. If Cal McNair had simply lived up to the word that he communicated or that he clumsily communicated inadvertently and incorrectly, because that theory is 
popping around now that he really didn't mean to give Deshaun Watson the Boy, you did. Too bad. You did. You got to own it now. I, I think it all comes down to how you handle your player. And this happened more quickly than Russell Wilson, but it got off the rails. And how it got to this point is an indictment of the organization. And I feel bad for Casario. He's the one in there with a mop trying to figure out where to start cleaning up. He, he's going to be cleaning up all year and beyond. And, and, and you know, the, the Watson won't even talk to him. So, uh, yeah, you can still pay a player. But, but Mike, I guess if the I, guy money doesn't mean you can mistreat him. I'm not saying I'm not saying that he wasn't mistreated, but I'm saying in NFL history, okay, in NFL history, do you think any major player for a team uh, has been misled and or lied to by a team? Yes, probably about a thousand times. And how many times has the best player in an organization then basically forced his way off the island? And and the only point I'm making in this is. And the reason that I believe that that this is uh, this is a time in NFL history that we're going to look back on and say things really changed, uh, you know, hugely in NFL history, is because you are now seeing, uh, you know, Matthew Stafford, different story, but he walks into the owner and says, "I want to get traded." They trade him. Tom Brady, totally different story, totally different story. But Tom Brady says, I want out. He gets out, okay? And then now you're seeing two more quarterbacks of huge, immense pedigree. You know, two top five, top six quarterbacks in the NFL could both be saying, I want out, and they get out. So all I'm saying is, I wonder why I would sign a player long-term right now. Yeah, maybe you don't. Unless you're going to take... Better care of men and not give the keys to the franchise to Jack Easterby. We have to take a break. More PFT Live coming at you right after. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.